This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known people about their lives, their careers, and those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Paley-Phillips, and with the fidgety Jim Daly talking Hello. to me. That sounds like sort of my like gangster nickname or something. The, the, what, the fidget? Jim Daly. The fidget. Oh, the Jim, Jim, the fidget daily. I was actually quite fidgety as a kid, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so was I, actually. I yeah, I don't know what that's an indication of, I don't know. My everyone, every member of my family was convinced I had something called Savitus Dance, which is like a condition because I was always fidgety. Um, it sounds like an opera. <laughs> yeah, it does a little bit. Do you want to yeah, go and watch quite a Savitus sev- Dance? Yeah, it's quite a. I think it's quite a s- severe condition. Um, I think I was just wow. like a, a, a like a testosterone fueled kid that liked jumping around. Yeah, I think most kids are, aren't they? Yeah. You're full of energy and... Yeah. yeah. But I was... I, I do still fidget now, though, to be fair. Like, yeah, me too. Yeah. During pods, I'll sort of have a pen in my hand or something, so... I've got the leg um, that shakes, I, I, I'm, and I'm constantly being told off for doing that, like fidgety legs, like just sort of yeah. them going up and down under the table. I used not, to have that's that. That's not a euphemism for anything. <laughs> Wait, hey, well... Yeah, it's your bedroom. You do what you want. Um... I used to have that, mm. and yeah, I would get told off about it. So it's not very it's sort of seen as being a bit uncouth, I think. But it's just you can't stop it sometimes. Well, I think it's, it's um, not hurting anyone. I think I read or heard somewhere that it's um, excess adrenaline. Yeah, so, yeah, that makes yeah sense. it's probably yeah. just yeah. It probably needs to go and run around the block or something. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Or have maybe. a shock. Someone shock me. <laughs> um, that's that's how you get rid of hiccups. I think, isn't it? That doesn't work. The shocking one doesn't work. I think the sipping water is the best way to get rid of hiccups. Upside down, isn't it? Sipping water upside down. Well, standing upside down. No, drinking drinking water upside down is what we were told would cure There's hiccups. No, how do you do that, though? I don't know. I know. I'd never. So what you got to go? I'm demonstrating to Jim here, so it's not very really good for listeners. But no, you have to be 
upside down yourself somehow. Oh wait, so you, you that's what I mean. So you're on you're upside down and then drink. That's bollocks, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's yeah. complete rubbish. Yeah, sorry, um, I don't even know why I mentioned it. Um, but that's for anyone. So, to... so for anyone who is suffering from um, hiccups in any way, um, don't sorry. do that. Don't, don't do, do that it. Yeah. Um, yeah, just um, just sip water. I think is probably the best. Or hold your breath. That's the other one, isn't it? Does that work? I think if you do it for yeah, don't hold it for too long though. Yeah, then you won't have anything. You won't have hiccups. You won't have anything. You won't, yeah, yeah. You, you, you won't be here. So yeah, you won't don't, be breathing. Yeah. So yeah, don't, yeah. yeah, just hold it for like ten seconds. That I think that works. Are you a well, hiccup no. sufferer? Do you get hiccups often? Not really. No, I, I used to be. Again, as a kid, I used to be. Yeah, mm. but um, I haven't had hiccups for a long time. No, the thing I get mostly at the moment is hay fever. It's so bad at the moment. Yeah, it's um, really, really, really bad. You know, it kept me up at night last night. Oh, really That's all bad. Yeah. So what are the symptoms? I get a very scratchy throat and blocked up in my nose and very sore eyes, which I sort of constantly have to rub a lot. And even today, it's it's raining quite... It's a lot cooler and a lot sort of um, damper here, but I'm still getting hay fever, hay fever symptoms. So are you still taking anything for it? Uh, yes, I'm taking pretty much all of the over-the-counter stuff like that I'm allowed. And stuff like that. Puritin, yeah, and there's other stuff that's got funny names I can't remember. Like nasal One, sprays and stuff. Nasal sprays, yeah. I live off nasal sprays. But I'm thinking of going to the doctor and asking for something stronger, which, I, which when I was a kid, I used to have to go and do that because it would be so bad. But I feel like I need some now because it's, um, yeah, if it's getting in the way of, of doing stuff. Sea um, salt sprays are quite good that you can squirt up your nose. Oh, I had that one year. Yeah. Mm. Good I think for it did sinuses, okay. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I'm quite lazy. That's my problem. But anyway, let's not bore our listeners with my ailments. <laughs> Um, well, I was going to say you look like you've lost some of your ailments as you've got older, but obviously the um, the, the high pollen count is making you suffer at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Hay fever's been a been a long old journey for me and hay fever. Um, <laughs> we go together like shamalama lama. Anyway, um, anyway, today's guest first. I would say, I would say, it definitely is first uh, person from the antiques world. Absolutely, yes. It's the wonderful Christina Trevelyan. I hope I've said that right. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, big fan of Christina. She's a lovely person. Um, got to know her over sort of Twitter and stuff. And, uh, yeah, really, really lovely energy and just a very calming, lovely person. And, yeah, and is obviously a star of all those brilliant sort of shows that I love anyway. Yeah. Uh, Bargain Hunt and Flog It and Antiques Road Trip. Uh, yeah, which she obviously stars on and does a lot of dealing on. Um, but her, her her real kind of passion is auctioneering and, and evaluating stuff. And that's her kind of her day job. Yeah. It's a fascinating industry. I mean, I don't, I don't mm. really know much about it. And actually I learned a lot on this episode about how it works and, and not just the sort of the intricacies, but also the emotion that goes into it and, you know, and the stories from the people that she's working with and, yeah, fascinating. It also turns out we went to the same university, so there's a lot yeah. of references to Southampton in this uh, in this episode. A lot of reminiscing about the dirty nightclubs and ah, uh, good times. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, I would say it's 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 one of the most different ep- episodes we've done. I think actually, mm. um, and I learned a lot. I learned so much, and I now have a newfound sort of not respect because I did not have respect for the antique world before, but um, a, a newfound understanding. I think for how those things work. And I think I now realise I have antiques at home that I think I'm going to go and... Mm, your sea chest. Go and look at. They're not mine, though. They're not mine, so I can't... I can't... 
it's not my place to sell them. Mm. But um, I can go and have a look at them and mm. think think about <laughs> antiques. I don't know. Well, yeah, we did talk about worst and best buys in the, uh, the, 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 the very special Patreon section of the show, which you can get if you uh, sign up for our Patreon. What's the address again, Jim? It's patreon.com, which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash blank podcast. And yeah, we have a we have an extra section with all our guests' bonus content each week. Mm. So if you want to hear more from Christina, then sign up to that and uh, you can get that right now. Yeah. yeah. It was great. It was such a fascinating chat. And we went all over the place with all different things. And uh, yeah, I was really intrigued uh, by the talk of what well, we, we got onto the subject of like the kind of emotions attached to you know, obviously dealing with people that are, are maybe getting rid of stuff that's memorable or, you know, things they've had in the house for a long time or attached to memories of loved ones who may have passed on and, and how that is, you know, such a pivotal part of the job. Mm. Also how, you know, it becomes, you know, quite an emotional part of the job as well. Absolutely, yeah, which again, not something I'd really considered before. So it's very interesting hearing mm. that side of, of Christina's work. Um, yeah, it's just... It was, it was a it was a, an hour of learning for me today. Yeah, uh, which is good. When you yeah. know every day is a school day, so it's nice to learn more about something you don't know about. Um, before we crack on, shall we read a couple of tweets? Or oh, we're doing a tweet and a review today, aren't we? Yeah, well, I've got a review from Apple Podcasts. Other pod um, platforms aren't <laughs> available, but you know Apple's one of the good ones. Um, yeah, it says refreshing, just the tonic. I found this podcast from Twitter, and I'm so pleased I did. The hosts are endearing, knowledgeable, entertaining. Something to relax to. Thank you. Keep up the super work, and that's 10 out of 10. It's from Chloe2587. Thank you very much, Chloe. That's a very, very sweet message, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Chloe. That's great. And if you do want to review us on Apple or any whatever platform you're on, then please do, because it helps us uh, get into more people's uh apps and get seen by more people which would be great um i've got a tweet here from claire stevenson at the underscore right underscore type uh, who says um the steve pemberton interview on blank pod with charles and jim is a fab listen really enjoyable to hear the background of the league of gentlemen and how their writing progressed lovely to take steve on this evening's doggo walk there we go i think we we uh i think we do join a lot of people on their walks and on their walks with their dogs uh, in the evenings um so claire thank you very much for taking us along with you and I'm glad you enjoyed that pod with steve that was uh that was a really really special episode that yeah, and well, and for people listening to this one, maybe if this is, could be their first blank podcast and they are fans of the League of Gentlemen, we have done a special um, edition of the podcast because we've recorded with all members of the League of Gentlemen now and we've done an epic extra podcast with all those interviews, um, which you can listen to. But anyway, enough of all this. I think we should dive in with our conversation with Christina Giovannian on the blank podcast. Whether you work for yourself or you're part of a team, it's time to get creative. Make your online presence and your business stand out from the rest with Issue. Charles, have you used Issue before? I have, Jim. Yeah, there's a brilliant little magazine local to me called Seaford Scene, which I regularly look at online on Issue. You can see everything on there, every little page and detail. Do you know what? I've even appeared in it a couple of times. <gasps> have you now? 
In what yeah. in what context? Well, if I've got something new coming out, like a new book or podcast even, even Blank's been in there. So that's very exciting. Oh, fantastic. And I guess it would be very easy for people to read that. Uh, with issue online because you can uh, you can flick through very easily it makes it very easy to read yeah and it's it's high definition so you can see our beautiful faces <laughs> you're just such a celeb aren't you in seaford no <laughs> anyway <laughs> issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content from marketing materials to magazines to flip books and brochures and more there's no need for endless scrolling through pdfs Issue features your creative in an easy-to-view way on every device. Make it once and distribute it everywhere without reformatting. Your content is already optimised for engagement and ready to share with the beautiful people of Seaford. (laughs) Issue also works seamlessly with tools you already use, like Canva, Dropbox and InDesign. Issue helps creators, marketeers, designers and really anyone who wants to make content that stands out. You can start using Issue for free. They also offer premium features that give you a more customised experience. Get started with Issue today for free. Or if you sign up for a premium account, you will get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use the promo code blank. That's I-S-S-U-U dot com slash podcast and use the promo code blank at checkout for your free account or 50% off your premium account. That's Issue dot com slash podcast with the promo code blank the first thing i wanted to ask you actually was how has the antiques industry been coping in the last year or so 18 months i guess we are in now oh my goodness um well i I think for every business owner the last year has been business owner business runner anything like that it's just been a bit of a nightmare really hasn't it um trying to sort of react um to an ever-changing situation has been incredibly challenging um whilst obviously trying to keep everybody safe and sane um which doesn't always happen (laughs) but (laughs) sadly um but no the antiques industry i mean i didn't have any auctions between March and June last year. Um, And then we sort of came back in the summer and it was just incredible. I mean, I think, so in answer to your question, the antiques industry has boomed. Um, Thank goodness. Right. Um, I think everybody has discovered online bidding and I think everybody's been at home so much that they've been looking around their homes and thinking oh I could just do with a you know something here or something there or yeah um so yeah it's been yeah it's been incredible it's been it's been very difficult very very difficult um but luckily the market is very buoyant at the moment so which is that's good. really that's really interesting yeah because people I, I wonder if that will change things for the future in general that actually people that maybe might not have been interested or, or thought about it as you say been stuck at home looking at the walls thinking oh that needs something or oh, that sofa's a bit outdated and then yeah got into a world maybe they weren't going to because of being forced to stay at home yeah exactly and i think a lot of people as well because the home office has become and working from home has become um sort of the norm now hasn't it where it wasn't before so we're seeing a lot of office firms furniture being bought or desks and you know people trying to improve their home workspace as well which you can totally understand we've all spent a lot of time there so it's been yeah, yeah it's been i need to actually i'm this is this is my new work we've built we've literally built this cabin in the garden during lockdown um so this has become our new office and we need yeah i've got an old desk that was in the house for ages 
which I do need to upgrade and I need some bits and bobs. It's a bit, it's a bit woody. I need to make it a bit more sort of homely. Uh, so maybe, yeah, so maybe this is the nice ideal rugs. for me. Now, I, need, I, I think do some actually, nice rugs. I do nice actually, rug. that's, and that's good for audio as well to have rugs. I think it I the, love the, the yeah. kind of Swedish sauna look you've got going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first time someone said that. Actually, um, yeah, it is a bit, uh, it is a bit saunery. A uh, little bit of sweet, a little bit of Sweden in the corner of Buckinghamshire. Yeah. That, that's how I could uh, exactly, exactly. But, um, um, so well, yeah. Scandinavian looks are very in I think right, at the moment very in yeah very in really well okay, no, that's no. Good, <laughs> no, no. Oh. I'm just trying to make you feel better <laughs> I'll take it though it's fine I'll, I'll, I'll run with it it's fine but I think also with antiques um, it's I think people are starting to realise as well that you know and hopefully they're starting to realise that you know antiques they're, they're so green you know you cannot get greener than than yeah. oh, the, it's, it's the ultimate recycling really isn't it you cannot get greener than buying antiques so hopefully people are sort of looking at them in a whole new light really rather than just being the realms of granny and grandpa's houses you know you you yeah it's it's it feels like a constant battle convincing people that antiques are actually quite cool um but I think we, I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. Hopefully. Mm. But it's been really nice to be um, to be able to keep filming as well during um, the pandemic. I mean, it's been it's been challenging, and again, we've had to adjust a lot of filming and filming schedules. I think bless him, the the guy that organises the filming schedules um, has been. I mean, he hasn't got a lot of hair, but he has pulled out the rest of his hair um, <laughs> because I think he's on schedule 10 million and six um, because you sort of, you know, as soon as you've planned something, you have to sort of tear it up and start again. And But it's just been incredibly important to me to keep trying to provide new content because I know people get very frustrated watching repeats and they're saying, oh, we've seen this before. And, um, and I think, yeah, yeah. you know, especially everyone's been so isolated haven't they in the last well over the last year that you know it's, it's an incredible blessing that a lot of people see you as a as a friend on the telly really because I'm invited into their you know they invite me into their homes every lunchtime or whatever um and it just feels really important to me to have kept on creating new content for for the viewers really um and it's been nice to be able to do that really nice hmm. I think that's really important. I think a lot of creative people have, uh, have felt that way that, you know, and also getting the recognition for being able to do that as well. Cause I think people sort of have, have often taken TV and stuff maybe for granted a little bit. And, you know, you're working, working through this difficult time and still making shows and stuff that we can all enjoy. So that's, I think that's, you know, that's something that we need to remember. Am I right in thinking that um, going back that you've always kind of been into antiques from a, from a very early age? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a bit of a yeah, it's a bit of a lifetime love, really. Um, I mean, it frustrates me terribly when people say um, people just I think expect because I've got my own my own business, my own auction house. Um, people always, you know, you get the comments. So, oh, so when did you take over your dad's business? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like no no that didn't happen my father sold uh armored vehicles uh military tanks and my mother was a florist so yeah definitely no antiques in the family apart from yeah mum sometimes um but no i think she's gonna kill me um but um yeah very much so. i mean i've always loved art i've always loved history um and at the age of um 
you know, when you have these sort of career meetings at school mm. um, and they said, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to be an auctioneer. Um, and they, they sort of kept flicking through the book and there wasn't a page for auctioneer. I was like, hang, <laughs> hang on a second, what would it come under? What would it come under? <laughs> Sales. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and they said, um, said, oh, I don't think I've ever had auctioneer before. Well, you'll definitely need maths because you have to count um, and you definitely probably should do, you know, history. Um, But I just sort of followed my own path, really. I mean, I I feel very comfortable in an auction room and my mum, because we we didn't have a huge amount of, um, you know, money when when we were sort of, as you as nobody was when they have a young family i don't think so mum bless always used to buy all our furniture from auctions um because it was a lot more affordable um so it was always a an environment i felt very comfortable in from a very young age um and i think a lot of people find the auction room quite intimidating but i just just you know it's home to me um so so yeah so i did gcse's a levels went to university in southampton where I studied fine arts valuation, which was sort of the course that you did to get into to auctioneering. Um, and then my sort of career took, well, took, took off from there, really. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think we went to the same university. Did you go to, was it Southampton Institute? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what a place. What, what a, a place. place it was. So were you, in, yeah. were, were you uh, chaos days? Do you ever get chaos? Yeah. So in my third year, this is so niche. Okay. Well, so people that have been to uh, yeah. Solent. In my third year, we lived around the corner from Chaos. Or we used to call it Dirty K. Yeah. I don't know if anyone else called it. So it was Chaos with a K. Yeah, is it was it? Charles. It was. Oh yeah. Chaos nice. with a K. Yeah. yeah. And it was. I mean, it's probably the grimiest nightclub in Southampton. But it was literally a thirty-second walk from our door in our final year. So oh, we, amazing. Uh, many a night there. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. the fifty P vodka and coke nights? I don't remember them, but that's probably because of the 50p yeah. vodka and cokes, yeah. to be honest. I remember, yeah, I remember drinks everybody being cheap. I remember there was a drink in Chaos. The guy that ran Chaos, or the, the, the manager of the barman, claimed he'd invented a drink. Really? And it was, like, really green. You know these student drinks are all, like, f- green or, you know, full of all these, like, terrible things. And he, mm. What was it? It was called something like Green Monster or something. <laughs> that's a terrible name for a drink. It was just the Green Monster? Maybe it wasn't <laughs> that. Green Monsters, please, and a lager. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I think. So that's the sort of that's sort of stupid names they all had at university, wasn't it? Oh yeah, three green monsters, mate. Um, uh, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting place. I used to have Lennon. Lennon's was the place I went to as as well. Lennon's, I don't remember uh, that. Do you remember? It was more like the indie place. Do you remember? Um, there was a bar in the, on this on the in the harbour um, in the marina called Los. It was a tapas bar called Los Marinos. <gasps> Do you know what? That rings a bell, but I don't think I ever went because I think I felt like, one, because it's it's, it's foreign sounding, it's going to be fancy and expensive, <laughs> and two, because it's in the marina, it's also going to be very expensive. So I, t- I tended to avoid it because I had no money. Uh, so I was, I, was I wrong? Well, well I worked there. Ah. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I funded my university uh, experiences yeah, through Los Marinos. It was brilliant. You should have gone with Dancing on the Tables every oh, Wednesday night. It's awesome. Ah, oh, should have done. I was either in Dirty K or <laughs> Lennon's. Yeah, that was only, or, or Oceana. We used to go to Oceana on a Wednesday. So you had liquid dinners a... and liquid lunches rather than uh, some nice mm. tapas or something. Yeah. So it was a tapas bar. Yeah. Was it was at university, isn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. Patatas bravas. I had to sort of perfect my Spanish accent, which is still really bad um but no it was good fun it was really good fun and i i love oh southampton was just university years i think university i don't know if you feel the same but i mean i I was such a geek at school i mean i spent the entire time in the library at school because 
I love, I'm a bit of a control freak and I love order and I love, um, just sort of, I don't know, just love the, the Dewey, De- I mean, me and the Dewey Decimal System, we were like best mates. And I used to spend so long in the library that they actually ended up giving me a job in the <laughs> library at school. Uh, well, she's going to be here. She may as well do something useful. Um, so bless them. They gave me a job in the library and I loved it, but I was a complete geek at school. Um, so university years for me were the years that I sort of flourished really. Um, and it was just oh, such good fun, such good fun. Loved university, probably a little bit too much. <laughs> That's good to know. I think I, I've become. I wasn't like that. I don't think at uni, but I think I've become more like that, more of a control freak since I've got older. I think actually, I think at uni for me was the first time. Like, oh, I'm away from home, and I've been given a student bank account and a student credit card. It's a terrible idea, and I've got all this there's money. A, and there's money an amazing nightclub so next door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's this nightclub called Chaos, and they do a drink called the Green Monster for one pound or whatever. I, might as well, I just it was for me. It was like sort of utopia. It was like, oh, I can just sort of do what I want, and then I quickly realised I. I have no like control. I don't know what I'm doing, uh, and I think I've got more and more like that as I've got as I've got older. I, w- I wish I had been a bit sort of more of a control freak when I was younger. Although, although I liked, I was definitely wanted to do well in my classes. Like I think I wanted to sort of impress the tutors and stuff like that. Although weirdly, one of the tutors followed me from college. Not literally. That would have been a bit um, a bit creepy. Mm. But yeah, he was at my college in in Tunbridge, and then went to Solent the same year I did. So that was quite nice. I sort of knew a tutor and uh, he was a really... I forgot what his name Mark something. Mark? What did you study at? What did you study at Southampton? I did journalism. Oh, did you? Oh. Yeah. 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 It was good. It was good. But uh, it was a... I found Southampton... Yeah, because it would have been... I guess... So so where did you grow up? You sort of in the West Country? No, I grew up in in Shropshire. In Shropshire? Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, so it would have been... Distance-wise, because I grew up in sort of northwest Kent, so I felt like Southampton wasn't that far from home. Like, it was good distance. It was far enough away from home to be not home. But then also, if I wanted to sort of pop back, I sort of could. It was, it was a good distance. Yeah, see, I wanted to get as far of... away as I possibly could, and I did without leaving the country. <laughs> 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 but it is really weird, isn't it? So as a, as a parent now, you know, it's that sort of first step away from home, isn't it? Because I'd never, I'd never been away from home before. And as a parent, I can't imagine just sort of taking my child, you know, driving three and a half hours or four hours or whatever it is, and then leaving your child somewhere and going, now, just remember everything that I've taught you and, you know, <laughs> yeah. be good. And then just, mm. and then just that kind of having to let go. Um, I mean, so my mum, bless her, dropped me off and I, and I don't remember there being any tears, although I'm sure there probably were. Um, but as a parent now, I just can't imagine doing that with my children. Can you? No, I mean my son's fourteen now, and we, no. my, my wife and I were saying, like, you know, in four, you know, in four years' time, he will have finished kind of college and stuff if he if he decides to do that, and then yeah, he'll he'll have the opportunity to go to university if he wants to. Um, and that just seems weird to think. I mean, we, we're convinced that he's going to go lo- locally if he does carry on further education, but I can't I can't imagine him like being able to cope like he's bad enough trying to get him to do his breakfast in the morning you know um you know the idea of him like looking after himself it really really gives me quite a lot of anxiety and like the and also the idea of him being away from us as well i just can't imagine it mm. Mm. yeah your babies yeah your babies yeah they just grow they grow up too quickly i think don't they? They f- oh. far too quickly far too quickly i know mm. you don't think that like people say that to you and you think yeah whatever and then suddenly you turn around and they're like teenagers and you think, oh, shit. 
<laughs> where did that time yeah. go and yeah, yeah. literally was changing nappies like yesterday it feels and and then they, yeah they're, they're going through and doing GCSEs and all oh it's it's yeah it's scary it's really scary <laughs> mm. it's because my it's my, weird that, my niece is 15 now um and she was our sort of my sister and I she was our sort of starter baby she's the one that we sort of practiced on and, and, was, and it's <laughs> yeah. like now she's taught taller than me and it's like, oh my god goodness me now I'm determined yeah. that this podcast is going to be the first because I, I was looking through your podcasts mm. and every single one has got an e on it which is is that e <laughs> is that e for explicit well there, there is occasional swears yeah well this yeah. is going to be the first one that doesn't have an e on it okay, okay. Well, unless we swear. Oh. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. Oh, no, no! Oh. <laughs> Rubbish. You have to edit that out. No, I was looking through. I mean, this is, this is incredible, to, incredible to be in such amazing company because you guys have interviewed some amazing people, haven't you? We've been very lucky, yeah. We've been very lucky. But, yeah. Yeah, but I've been wanting to get you on for ages because I'm really interested in what you do and um, yeah, I'm a big fan of, you know, I, I love a bit of bargain hunt. I can't can't deny it um and, and who doesn't um antiques road trip is is up there as well i love that show um so yeah so no been been longing to have you on because yeah i'm really interested in what you do um so oh, bless you. so uh, so at university you did sorry what was it it was um art oh is it well no it was very it was very they don't actually do the course anymore that i did i think they um decided i would they yeah i was the, probably the last one um it was uh fine arts evaluation fine arts evaluation okay yeah which was bizarre I mean, to be fair, was... They, they changed the name of the university mm. after we after we left anyway they, they changed so much about it i think they just wanted to sort of get rid of all the <laughs> anything that had gone before and just uh completely rebrand yeah was it solent it, wait, no, it's South... it was the institute yeah the institute southampton institute that sounds like, gave obviously people that were people that went to the main university it gave them so much material to take the piss out of us mm. the institute um, sounds far quite sounds quite Sounds quite um, like like it could be a prison or sounds a lot darker or, yeah. than it actually was. Yeah, it was just like a, fo- a former sort of poly, I think polytechnic basically. Yeah. But um, and it's like it, people it that re-branded... um go to Oxford Brooks don't they? they say no, I went to Oxford. It's like yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, went well, to I went to the institute. What, what I do is I say to people, I went yeah, <laughs> I say I went to university in Southampton, and I let them make their mind up whether they think I went to the institute or to the actual Southampton University. It's when they ask you, um, were you in an institute or did you go to the institute? And I say in many in many ways, girls, yes, I was uh, physically and mentally um but it rebranded to southampton solent university in my final year but it actually didn't get university status i think until maybe the year after because my they couldn't give me a degree my degree came from nottingham trent yeah so did mine yeah, never didn't actually have never been sleep. to Nottingham in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but they gave me a and degree. I didn't, get, <laughs> I didn't even get my um, on the day of graduation. I had my gown and my hat. Whatever, I can't remember what the hats called. Whatever the fancy hats called. Um, mortarboard. Mortarboard. Mm. Mortarboard. That's the one. Sounds very close to waterboard. Mm. And, and um, but on. Everyone else got given their degree, like their sort of printout degree. I got an empty envelope that hadn't been printed <laughs> out yet. From Not- Nottingham hadn't bothered printing it out. Ah, oh, Jim doesn't need one. I got an empty envelope on stage. It was, it was the biggest anti-climax oh, of my entire life. <laughs> Who gave you out your award? Was it a celebrity? It was. <laughs> I, this might be wrong, but memory serves it was Southampton's biggest celebrity, which is the legend is Fred oh. Lange, who has come up on this podcast before. A Meridian um, legend, I yeah. But I might have made that up. Yeah. 
But he was like the celeb from Southampton at the time. I don't, is, I think. genuinely don't remember who gave me my, I was probably hungover. Um, a night of no, chaos. I, I genuinely don't before. remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dirty K. Dirty K, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, so what was the yeah, plan after uni then? Times. Once you'd done that, did you have a, a plan as such? Because, you know, a lot of people come out of university and they don't have a plan. Oh, yeah, my plan. Oh, I love a good plan. Uh, my plan was to go to Italy um, and learn Italian, because that's what you do in Italy, um, and go and study some sort of arts course out there. Um, and then randomly, I met someone who um, very kindly got me a work experience position at Christie's in London which is oh. really, really good auction house, um, incredible auction house. And so I did a couple of weeks work experience there. And then I was about to book my tickets to go to, to Italy and go and do that sort of thing. And they offered me a job. And I thought, ah, wow. oh, mm. what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And I should have gone to Italy. And I didn't. I was sensible and grown up and thought, yeah, <laughs> probably, probably ought to take this job. So I did. Um, but then I rather missed home because I hadn't, you know, obviously three years at university. Um, well, sorry, not university, institutionalising. Yeah, yeah. um, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, three years there. And I, and I, I, as much as I loved London, and I did love London, it was great fun. Um, I just missed being at home, mm. missed being in Shropshire, missed green open spaces and, and just loveliness. And a, a opportunity came up at an auction house in um shrewsbury in shropshire which is half literally half an hour away from where i live um and it was for a junior value and the position could not i mean it was like it was written for me it could not have been more perfect um so after a year at christie's i moved back to shropshire um and took the job at at, uh, at halls in shrewsbury and then i spent the next sort of 10 years there sitting in an attic very you know and that's what you do you know as a as a as an auctioneer and valuer you spend it's a very it is a very solitary role um you are constantly cataloguing researching um and just sort of working working around the item that's in front of you and so i spent 10 years in an attic cataloguing which sounds more painful mm. than it was actually that's probably it's probably not <laughs> from one institute to another almost it. it's, it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but i loved it you know and that's where i spent um every week cataloguing general sales which is just you never know what's going to come in you know and that was the actual that was the foundation of my experience really because it was you know you get to see such a broad range of things um and i absolutely loved it absolutely loved it and then i had babies and then I set up my own business. So yeah, it's been it's been I don't know. I mean, I, I was I was turned the big four zero at the weekend. So oh, congratulations, yeah, which was a, a bit scary. Thank you. <laughs> but I kind of I feel like my thirties. I lived at about a hundred million mm. miles an hour. You know, I'm the kind of person that just um, goes hell for leather at everything. And my thirties were just a bit manic, really. Absolutely manic. And I got married at 29, had my first baby at 30, second baby at 31. Uh, what happened at 32? I lost my, I think I lost my dad at 32 and then set up my business at 34. And I'm sort of finally thinking now, let's just, let's just chill out a bit. You know, <laughs> you've, you've 40. And I think, I don't know if everybody's 30s is the same. It was just all a bit crazy. 
Um, so it's quite nice now to have sort of got to a point where it's like, and breathe. Well, they're all, all <laughs> huge life-changing events, aren't they? You know, getting married, having yeah. children, mm. obviously a loss in the family. You know, huge things mm. to take on and starting a new business. And plus, I guess, had mm. you started doing TV stuff, in, you know, you've started doing TV stuff as well in your 30s. Had you done stuff before that yeah, or was it, was it, was it during that period as well? I think I started doing television when I was about 28, 29, okay, so, just yeah. before I got married. So yeah, it was, and that was, yeah, that's, it's just bizarre, isn't it? I mean, I never ever wanted to be, never set out to be a television presenter or anything like that. It's not something that had ever well, crossed my mind, to be honest. It was all a bit accidental. Um, and I started by working on a programme called Flog It. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I love because it's 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 the most um, close to what I do as an auctioneer. Oh, OK. Um, because people bring things into you, you value mm. them, and then you take them to an auction to sell them. So it was a very... Um, I wouldn't say easy program to work on, but it was it was very it's very close to what I did, and then it's just yeah they were pointing a television camera at you at the same time, um, but yeah I, I just loved Flog it. it was brilliant and I remember my very first Flog it I think it was at Warwick Castle, um, and it was just a really interesting program to be part of, um, and I was an off screen valuer to start with, um, where you have a sort of group of off-screen valuers who filter things as they come through and then they put them forwards to the on-screen valuers. Um, and it was, yeah, fascinating to sort of see how television works. I was hugely honoured to be a part of that. Um, and then that sort of, yeah, flog it turned into, uh, put your money where your mouth is, turned into antiques road trip, turned into bargain hunt as well. So, and I think I've just been incredibly lucky that the appetite for antiques television programmes has been where it has been for so long really um and i uh, yeah i don't think that i would have got into television if, if it hadn't have been for my career my, my antiques career yeah sort of timed timed the going into tv sort of quite well timed in terms of uh the way the industry is sort of booming and changing do you think the, the, the more sort of tv coverage it's had has that changed the sort of people that are now coming into auction houses has it opened it up a bit more? Yeah, I think it has. Up? Yeah, I mean, as I said before, I think people who don't, who aren't familiar with an auction room probably find it quite intimidating. Whereas I think a lot of a lot auctions do have a lot of exposure now on television. And I think it's taken, hopefully it's taken that sort of slight mystery out of the sale room. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think, I think, I hope it has. Um, a lot of people say, you know, I, I get very nervous about bidding and I get very nervous about um, coming into a sale room. But I, yeah, I would hope, I would hope so. I would hope so. Definitely. I get I get very nervous about bidding on eBay, so I think I would probably be quite nervous about doing it in person. <laughs> Although I'm a performer, so I'd probably actually suddenly get really. You've got quite flamboyant holding your number up. You mean? Quite... I'd actually, yeah, I'd be like I'd be like Mike Dean. I found like some sort of flamboyant way of uh, of doing it. I guess there is quite a lot of theatre involved, though, isn't there? In when the auctions are there is underway? exactly, and I think that again is has been a very good. Um, grounding for television and that when you step onto the rostrum um 
and you, and you auctioneer, you know, it is, it is a performance. Of course it's a performance. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it certainly sort of stands you in good stead for being on television and the camera's on. Um, and yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. It's been, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it's a difficult transition because I think, like I said, I never intended to be a television presenter. So it's been quite, it's been, it's been fascinating, but also quite, yeah, it's been, it has been really interesting to see where my career has gone and, and where television has taken me. And, and I do love doing television because it just takes you to some really fascinating places that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to go to or to experience if I hadn't been in television. But it, it's still, I mean, to this day, I was filming Bargain Hunt yesterday um, over in Lincoln. And I still get this sort of huge imposter syndrome sort of wave things like, you know, when I'm standing in front of those infamous Bargain Hunt banners, I, I fully expect somebody to kind of burst in through the doors with a klaxon saying, what the hell is she doing here? She's not a television presenter. She should be back in the loft being a cataloger. Um, so it's, it is very bizarre. I still see myself as, and I always will see myself as an auctioneer and valuer and not a television presenter. I feel very lucky to have been given the opportunity that I have been given. Um, and I hugely enjoy it, but I think definitely is my heart is being an auctioneer. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, it comes up a lot on the podcast, this idea of imposter syndrome. But mm. I mean, really, what is a tele- television presenter if it's not someone with experience of that world and that industry being an, on TV? I mean, it'd be much better having someone like yourself who is vastly experienced, but maybe hasn't trained as a presenter than someone who's trained as a presenter who doesn't know anything about the industry. That'd be a complete that'd be car crash TV. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be awful. But I think you have to be, you have to be a sort of certain person that is say, says yes to stuff. And it sounds like you are and is up for new challenges. And then you learn these things and you know, anyone can learn to be a TV presenter, but I think it would be more difficult to learn the knowledge that you have about the industry. So, but I, I do understand. I mean, we, Charles, it comes does, up a lot yeah, on the podcast, yeah. isn't it? Something that you and I suffered with as well, this idea of imposter syndrome. But my, the way I try and then tell myself and other people if they ask, ask for it is, well, you are doing that thing. Like, it's very easy to feel like, oh, I can't do this thing. But then you look back and think, oh, no, I am doing it. And I've done it mm. for a while. Like, it, And no one can take that away from me, even if my career ends tomorrow. But it is difficult to stop those feelings. I think they are sort of inherently quite human for anyone yeah absolutely 100% and I sort of think well they keep phoning and asking me to do it so so clearly I think I'm a bit rubbish but they think I'm all right so (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and I think I mean I guess we you know we we all crave sort of validation don't we and I think um I think that for you I guess is you know the fact that they keep ringing and wanting you back you know you can sort of take that from it that you know there is you know people are enjoying what you do and they like your energy and everything on screen so that is obviously a big part of it but was it a steep learning curve though actually getting in front of cameras and you know I know you said you were sort of in the background as an evaluator were you able to sort of start Mm. to sort of see how it worked before you actually took that step to being in front of the cameras uh yes yes I mean I I I think um I was screen tested to be an on-screen um valuer on my second flog it um so yeah i didn't get to see a huge amount before um i sort of committed to to doing it but it was um it's just fascinating to see how television's made Mm. really it was really interesting to sort of see how the nuts and bolts all fit together and um and it's amazing what you sort of pick up 
by osmosis a bit really um but no I mean I, I did I did get to, yeah I did get to see a little bit of it before I sort of committed to it but then the programs that I've done it feels like sort of again as a natural progression flog it um I mean there was one stage I think in 2014 2015 I think when my husband and I were desperately trying to work as hard as we possibly could because we were building a house and all these bills kept coming mm. in and there, you know there are no kind of 50 pound bills all the bills sort of looked like monopoly number you know, it was ridiculous mm. <laughs> um so bless her, we, were, we were both working absolutely flat out and i i actually dug out my filming schedule um from a couple of months in that year um and it was ridiculous. I was going straight from a flog it shoot to a bargain hunt shoot to a put your money shoot to a something else. And on each program, you have there's a very different style. Um, so in um, put your money, you had to look straight down the barrel. On flog it, you never look at the camera. Bargain hunt sometimes. And I was I was sort of turning up to a shoot thinking, where the hell am I supposed to look? <laughs> which, one, which one is what it? What am I? What am I doing today? Who am I? What am yeah. I? <laughs> <laughs> am I a co-presenter? Am I an expert? Am I a presenter? Am I a mother? Am I a, who? Who am I today? Which hat have I got on? <laughs> so yeah, it was a pretty busy time. But they are yeah, they're all very different styles, very very different styles. Um, but um, yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I I think like I say, the experiences and the things that you don't expect, like you know, going bog snorkeling which has become slightly infamous uh, for road trip. Um, and, you know, climbing the fourth rail bridge was just incredible. Um, and so it's the, the probably the non-antique stuff that I really enjoy um, and the sort of the stuff that, that television gets you sort of behind-the-scenes mm. stuff is, is really fun, really, really fun. And the crews, you know, so, I'm so lucky with all the crews that I work with as well. They're all brilliant. So you never went on, like bargain hunt and was like hi welcome to flog it or anything, anything yeah. like that yeah i've done that a few times Have you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is funny it is it is good fun it's very good fun um but um yeah yeah it's good fun very good fun hmm. well i think yeah i think i mean yeah, i think certainly with tv obviously because it's it's so instant but i think we learn from our mistakes you know when we when we have a bad day or whatever and we all have bad days in our in our jobs and stuff but i think if you make a mistake you tend to normally sort of learn from it it's, no one's perfect you know everyone everyone has those moments where they either say the wrong thing or or blank you know to bring it back on brand where they have these certainly doing tv stuff it can be a bit overwhelming sometimes and you can i've had a, I've had a few moments like that and you can sort of you, you, your words get caught in your throat and you suddenly go dry and you think oh what am i going to say and we all have those moments, but I think really it's how about how you bounce back from it and how you learn from it and think, okay, next time I'm going to be a bit more prepped. I'm going to write my notes differently. I'm going to take a swig of water, whatever. Mm. And that's really how you progress in any industry. But, um, oh, massively. Yeah. And I think, you know, failure and how we react to failure is, is it's really, it's really important. You know, I've had a lot of knockbacks and, and I think, you know, what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, mm. doesn't it really? um it is it is very important um and i think yeah you learn from it it's such a huge i mean i wasn't very i i like i said i'm a bit of a control freak i i do set i'm a bit of a perfectionist i do set very high standards for myself um and 
probably too high than sometimes unachievable and then I get very frustrated and very angry with myself which isn't really very helpful for anybody but I think failure is is very important and I think again as a parent you try and sort of protect your children from failure and but I, but I do think we certainly need to be exposed to it because it's what makes us stronger and better well, there's such a negative connotation and the word itself is very negatively taken, isn't it? Failure. Um, mm. But actually, yeah, it's, it's, it's a moment of growth for you, you know, as a person. And, you, yeah. you know, you, we move forward through failure. Um, we need failure um, as much as, yeah. you know, when you're in the eye of the storm of it, I understand it's challenging and it's not nice. Yeah. But, um, yeah, when you can reflect on something that's not happened or not gone right, then I think, yeah, it's very important, actually. Yeah, incredibly important. Yeah, very, very important. You've never failed at anything, Giles. Oh, all the time. Probably failing at this no. interview right now. <laughs> oh, no, that's imposter syndrome. Um, <laughs> yeah, all the time, all the time. Lots of failure. Yeah, and, and I think, that, yeah, and it's important to reflect on those moments, definitely. And I always do, actually. And when I'm, like, I think, yeah, if I'm feeling bad about something, I think, well, actually, I did something went wrong that time and, I got through it and I've, you know, I've learnt from it and now I can go again. So, yeah, it's important, I think. Um, do, do you know what's interesting about failure that I've sort of learnt recently is um, being able to reach out to people. So, you know you have someone in your life. I mean, Giles quite often is this person for me. Um, when you're having a bad day or something's gone wrong and it's very easy to internalise it and sort of sit there and... I do do that quite a lot and my wife finds it very frustrating because I sort of shut down. I become like a robot that sort of run out of power and I just shut down. I'm trying to just like deal with it myself. But as soon as I reach out to someone, I'll say to my wife, actually, this is why I'm like, sorry, I'm being a pain. This is why. Or I say to Giles, like, man, I'm having a bad moment. In fact, I had a thing this week actually about this stand-up show I'm doing next week that's gone a bit wrong and I've reached out to my mate Dave, who's my comedy partner, and he's helping me fix it. And all it took was one little message. And Dave's like, yeah, no, I can sort that for you. And then suddenly you're like, oh, okay, I'm back on track. And it's just amazing how often and how quickly that can fix something. And, 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 then, and then you get the, the added bonus of not feeling alone, of actually feeling like someone else is listening to your, your trouble, your worry or your mistake. I mean, even if they can't help you, even if they're just like, oh, yeah, that is, that is shit. I'm so sorry. That's really awful. That, that in itself is a help. And so, yeah, that's something I tr- I'm... I'm still not very good at it, but trying to do in those moments where you've failed or something has failed you or you feel like it has or you haven't, you know, progressed in the way you like, actually just a little a little message or a little reach out. Oh, this is why I'm feeling... Cr-. And it can... It, it is difficult. Like, I've, with my wife, I find it so hard. I can feel the sort of, like, the words stuck in my throat sometimes. I'm like, I want to tell her, like, why I'm acting like a complete dick. And mm. I, I, I can't. And it is hard, but it, 99, well, 999 times out of 1,000, it always helps. And mm. uh, it's such a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's, it's true. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think you're absolutely right in that it's not until you actually vocalize it because again i'm very i'm a very bodily person i do sort of try and try and take the you know take the world on um and i don't like to show any sort of vulnerability or anything like that but actually it's so important because you can't you can't get help until you tell people until people can understand you um and why you're feeling perhaps the way that you're feeling and so you know the more i speak to people the more it is, it is it's really interesting and all these people that you sort of see on telly that you think are these sort of confident strong bubbly people and so happy all the time and we're all riddled with insecurities yeah. and worries and concerns and 
It is. I know. I just find people so utterly fascinating in that way. Um, and you sort of, your perception of people is so different to actually what they're feeling. Um, and it is, yeah, it's really interesting. It's really, really interesting. Um, but, uh, I think, yeah, it's important not to be too, um, too, what's the word I'm looking for? I think it's important not to have sort of preconceived ideas about people and think, oh gosh, they must, they must be incredibly confident mm. or they must be this, that and the other because nine times out of 10, you know, they're, they're just like everybody else, aren't they? We're all, yeah. we're all complex people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we know that from doing this podcast that pretty much everyone we speak to um, has got something that, that, you know, that is there, you know, obviously we, the idea of this podcast is blank moments and their blank moments are different, you know, and everyone's got something, whether it's social anxiety, public failure, imposter syndrome, we've talked about, you know, fear of failure, what all the, any, any of these things really, um, they did, they just come up. Um, so, which is reassure, so reassuring, <laughs> you know, when, when you feel like you've got those things and no one else has, um, mm. it's, 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 you know, that's so, yeah, it's so important. I guess, yeah, I guess in your industry as well, like talking to people, I guess that's the thing as well. You're you're dealing with people all the time, um, and I guess also in sensitive ways as well. I suppose if you're dealing with people who are very attached to items and things, I guess you're having to deal with a lot of emotions quite a lot of time. How how do you mm. find that? Mm. Uh, yeah, it's certainly in my role as an as an auctioneer, often you're coming into somebody's life at possibly the most stressful period of their life either they're moving mm. house or they've lost a loved yeah. one or so yes constantly dealing with people who are incredibly stressed out so you just have to be there sort of just to guide them through the process really i mean recently cleared a house bless the, the the lady um that we were helping her husband had very serious dementia um and it was oh an impossible situation. I think certainly through lockdown, she had felt because her family was based in the south of England and uh, she lived sort of up here. And through lockdown, she felt totally isolated um, and looking after somebody who had increasingly angry dementia. Um, so it was an incredible. Um, it was very difficult, but it was also incredible for me personally to watch her grow and be able to achieve her goal which was to move down south to be closer to her family to be closer to her grandchildren her support network um and it was just a lovely it was a lovely feeling it was very difficult it was but we got there in the end and yeah she's incredibly happy now um so it's, oh. it's hugely fulfilling to be able to help people achieve their goals by doing what we do um, that's lovely yeah i'm really glad to hear that was gonna, that was gonna be my question did did she move did she get it all done so that's um she that's did. really nice to hear yeah she did bless her and to a much more manageable house mm. and to, to closer to her friends and her family which is really important um but that, yeah so yeah well, it's, yeah it's it is yeah it is and, and again yesterday you know i was going and doing a house visit a couple a elderly couple gentleman has had um a series of strokes the house that they're in now is totally unsuitable for his needs so we have to go in and, and sort of help them decide you know what to pension, what to dispose of what to retain um but just yeah just to help people achieve where they want to go and how they want to do it is yeah it's very important and it's it's a, the most satisfying part of the job i'd mm. say 
Yeah, I, I'd not considered that at all about that industry that you are you are going into people's lives at those moments. I guess I, I guess I kind of thought people just brought stuff in they didn't want anymore, and then you sorted it for them. I hadn't really, th- I hadn't really thought about the fact that you are actually there at really pivotal moments, and so you have to be not only someone with all this experience and knowledge and 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 all that. You have to be someone that's got quite a lot of compassion, I think, as well, yeah. for people. But I guess on the flip side of that is, you—if you are a compassionate person—you then probably take on quite a lot of the emotion of the moment when you're talking to these people. So I imagine, like emotionally, when you are dealing with people who have had a loved one pass away and you're helping them move on, that's probably quite em- emotionally sort of heavy for you as well. I'd imagine afterwards you probably have to have a bit of—I don't know—a bit of a think and a sit down to try and deal with that as well, because you've been part of that process for them yeah absolutely a hundred percent um and i think uh, you know there are there are certain people that um that really that really sort of stick out and uh, yeah yeah hugely i mean there was the most wonderful um there was the most wonderful uh, time when i was selling what was it? it was it was a it was a military wristwatch so it's part of what they call the dirty dozen which are 12 12 <laughs> 12 wristwatches that they produced uh for the uh i think the army maybe it's the rf uh the army i think for world war ii um and the most the rarest of this one so they were produced by um 12 makers which is why they're called the dirty dozen and the rarest is the grana because they produced um very little i think 1500 were produced but collectors around the world love to have a set of these 12 watches um and a lady bought this sort of box into me bless her and she said you know um well this was my this was my uh uh husband's watch um is it is it worth anything and i said well yes you know it's, it's quite an quite an important watch um and she said well he was just given it because he was never on he was never on time he was working on a building site after the war and he was never on time so the foreman of the building site gave him this watch he said i'm fed up of you being late bill i'm going to give you i'm going to i'm going to get you a watch so he bought this watch in from home and gave her husband this um this watch and it turned out to be this incredibly rare grana wristwatch and with the wristwatch market over the last few years has just been phenomenal it's really really taken off um and i think the previous examples had sort of made a couple of three thousand and she was she was like oh yeah that's very exciting so i think i put it in at two to three thousand and eventually sold it for nine i think it was nine and a half thousand it sold for um for this watch that her husband had been given and the husband her husband had passed away and that money was just i mean it was it was was a life-changing sum of money for her she could put in um a stair lift bless her and it just it's just really and and bless her when i phoned her and said because she didn't come to the auction i said i said you know mrs mrs miggins what um what do you think the watch made? She went, oh, it didn't sell, did it? <laughs> I said, I said, I said, no, it it did sell, it did sell. Um, and she said, well, I said, how much do you think it sold for? And she went, oh, two thousand? No, three thousand? No, four thousand? <laughs> no, five thousand? And I said, no. She went, oh, Christina, what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just the most gorgeous reaction. The phone went very quiet and I was a bit worried. I thought maybe I should have driven around and told <laughs> yeah. her this news because you know, she's an elderly lady, God bless her. But um, no, that really sticks. So it's just, yeah, I mean, I'm so lucky. I, I, I do love my customers they're just yeah. yeah brilliant brilliant people brilliant people that's that's great also dirty dozen was what me and my mates were known as in chaos <laughs> that was that's the name of a cocktail in there 
Yeah. Why were you, hang yeah. on a second, hang on a second. Why were you known as the Dirty Dozen? No, we weren't really. I didn't have 11 <laughs> friends. Come on. <laughs> Two or three at most. I'm um, not sure you could fit 11 people into chaos. No, you probably couldn't. Could. No, genuine fire hazard, I think, that, that nightclub was, yeah. unfortunately. Definitely. Um, Especially those stairs at the back. Oh, my gosh. The, the Just never wear heels going down those stairs. I never did, to yeah. be fair. Well, that's really that's surprised cool. me. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> now I probably would actually. Yeah, yeah. A, bit more, a, bit more open, a bit more open-minded now. Back in 2003, 2004, it's very different, different world. That's so nice. I think, yeah, I think you, again, I'm, I'm actually learning quite a lot about your industry from, from this episode. I, I think I'd, I hadn't quite appreciated the personal connections that you're, that you're making in this job, actually, which is really nice. I think if you are a people person, which it sort of sounds like you are, then I think it's really nice to give you that opportunity to meet these people and, and change, as you say, change their lives and be a part of these life-changing moments for them. But in a way, life-changing moments for you as well, I think that you get to be a part of these people's special moments. Oh, hugely, hugely, hugely. And it, it, you know, it, it's, it is so important. You know, and like you say, I do get very probably too emotionally involved really, because I do, you know, I do think about things and, you know, probably think to think things through too much, but, um, but no, yeah, it's, it is lovely to be, you know, it's not just about the antiques. It's not just about these inanimate objects. It is about the stories behind them, the people behind them. And, and, yeah, helping people achieve what they want, mm. I think, is the main thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but having said that, I'm, I am. Uh, it's very, it's very bizarre because people would probably think that I'm a bit of an extrovert, but I think I am actually quite an introvert. I do, I do recharge by just going and sitting on my own in the quiet, reading a book. Whereas my husband, bless him, is a real social bunny. Mm. He does recharge by just feeding off other people's energy. Whereas I'm not very good at that. I just have to go and take myself off to a dark corner and rock gently. <laughs> well, I wonder, does that go, that kind of stems back from your days in the library, maybe? You know, you've always maybe been a little bit like that. Oh my gosh, I'd never thought of that, Giles. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I'd never made that connection, but... God, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Could be. That's how I relax. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's your thing. You know, yeah, yeah going, and, going and spending some time by yourself. I think there's no bad thing in that, to be honest. I think we could all probably... Yeah do with that a little bit more just going taking ourselves off and doing our own thing for a bit um mm. oh giles i had a moment mm. this week actually because I, I, I don't know if you guys can hear it's hammering down with rain here at the moment you know, and i'm in the swedish cabin <laughs> and i can hear it but i think thankfully my microphone's not picking it up but during the week it's been it's been gorgeous sunshine over here like it's been really really lovely but we had a moment uh, so christina in my house i got i got me my wife my mother-in-law and our two-year-old daughter she's not two yet she's 21 months and so it's a bit chaotic in the house sometimes and i just had a moment stuff was happening and my, my wife's an actor so like self-tapes come in and she's trying to do work alongside her, her other job and it was just one of those moments everything was happening and my mother-in-law was asking a question and the baby was kicking off and i said right i just have to go outside <laughs> so I stomped, you said it like that did you <laughs> I like stormed off yeah I was like I just have to go up I was having a, that meltdown about the show which Dave, Dave's now helped me with I just have to go outside I just put my shoes on I sort of walked up the garden and then I sort of realised like 
our gardens they're sort of covered but like our neighbours we get on with our neighbours really well they can see us so I, just, I just I just thought I, I bet I look like such a child <laughs> stomping <laughs> up the yeah. garden having a little stop. and I walked up and come up here by the cabin and I sort of stood by the shed in the corner and just I think I think I did this I think I put my hands on the back of my head and was like oh I just love like oh doing a frustrated oh moment um and actually then I sort of walked I think I was out there about five ten minutes walked back in the house sheepishly and was the chaos was still going on and then tried to sort of help out where I was but I could just yeah. imagine you stomping up and down the garden muttering to yourself <laughs> yeah. I would love, I was, to, be, I would love to be your like, neighbour like, oh, like Victor Meldrew <laughs> 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 yeah, <it was> <laughs> don't believe it um, but actually it did um, it did help actually just because like life is chaotic and you know, no matter where you are or what size your family is like especially in the last year or so we've been all on top of each other so actually we're lucky i feel lucky we have a garden i can even sort of walk into and just like breathe a little bit and have mm. a bit of space and, and it did work and so i think i'm like you i think i am like even though i sort of in theory i'm a performer i think i i do need my space or just to yeah be away from people just think sort of process my thoughts let my brain sort of like die down a bit and just i think that's exactly yeah. it isn't it it's just brain rest mm. yeah because you know because because i am a, a, a you know i think we we this group probably we're all people pleasers we want we want to to make people happy um and actually making people happy is what as much as you know it's incredibly satisfying but that's not not making always making ourselves happy. So I think it's really important that we just give our brains just that time just to <sighs> and rest. And that's and for me that is spending time in my garden as well. Mm. I've loved. I don't think I would have got through lockdown without having a garden. I feel so lucky to have had a garden and to have had outdoor space um, because there's nothing more grounding than getting soil under your fingernails mm. and listening to the bees and it's just heaven absolute heaven yeah my wife until the children mummy yeah, mummy yeah, mummy yeah. <laughs> what are we have for tea what are we have for tea that's my kids that's the only yeah. question they ever asked me what are we have for tea i've told you about yeah. eight times what we're having <laughs> um yeah but yeah the garden my wife really fell in love with the garden again during lockdown and has done loads to the garden and we built a pergola recently as well in the garden. And Ooh, yeah, it's just so nice. nice. It's been so nice with the sunny weather as well, just to go and have dinner under there. It feels like we're in the Mediterranean. Charles, to save me Googling, what is that? What is well, it's that? like, I guess, um, well, like a, like a bit like a gondolier. Not a gondolier. What am I talking about? <laughs> not a gondolier at all. That's a boat. Um, <laughs> wow. How big is your garden? <laughs> I've seen a picture of it, haven't you? Posted yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a wooden structure awesome. that kind of goes over. We've got it over our, our table outside, and it, it gives you some it's like shade. An outdoor seating yeah. area type. Yeah, thing. you'd, you'd nice. grow a plant. Up yeah, we're going to get some wisteria to go over it. That's the oh, that's the plan. I'm so jealous. So yeah, another wisteria. Okay, I have googled it, and yeah, that looks that looks yeah. lovely. Actually, that so looks Michelle really, really and I nice. bought um, yeah. built one ourselves. Um, yeah, amazing. What? Amazing. So, yeah. That is incredible. Well, she, she's good at that. She's yeah, really she's good at clever that. Stuff, stick. Yeah. Well, she's a she's a design technology teacher, so she knows how to use tools. I was just there for the hard labour, really, um, digging out holes, digging out holes. Um, but yeah, but anyway, the garden has been amazing, and actually spending that time going, and again, really grateful to have that space. Um, and yeah, and you don't, and it's such a simple thing to just go out, it, even to just do a bit of weeding is nice. Yeah, it's very cathartic, yeah. isn't it? You can get an awful lot done in a very short space of time as yeah. well sometimes, which is quite nice. But no, I'm so jealous of your rain, 
so jealous. Everything here is just coming out and going, oh, there's no water, I'm dying. You'll get it eventually. So, I think it's going to be raining all weekend, so I'm sure you'll get some at some point. I think it's moving across the country because I did a podcast, <laughs> a Palace podcast yesterday with my friends in South London. It was raining there and now it's raining here. So I think it is slowly moving from the south across the country. So you should yeah. can, hopefully can get you it just tell it to speed up? <laughs> <laughs> I'll open my window. Oi, speed up. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> There's other people yeah. in this Where country that need it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I was listening to, um, I was trying to do some, obviously some research. I was listening to your, one of your podcasts um, as I was driving back from Lincoln yesterday, um, which is where I saw all the E's. Mm. Um, and I was driving um, in a higher car, which was a Vauxhall Corsa. Now, I haven't driven a Vauxhall Corsa since I was at South I've got to say, it sounds like the sort of thing you yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, and it was, you know, I haven't driven a manual for a long time. So I was kind of like trying to, you know, and, and my phone got so, because it was so hot yesterday, mm. wasn't it? Uh, my mm. phone got so hot that it, it just went, ah, oh, I'm too hot. I can't, I can't work anymore. It just switched itself off. So I got halfway through, um, who was I listening to? Oh, Professor Kate Williams. Oh, yeah. She's fascinating, oh, isn't yeah. she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you guys died on me. So, because my phone... And I just, I was obviously, I was driving, so I couldn't turn it back on. I was like, oh, this is just a disaster. I can't do, I'm prepping. I'm prepping and I can't prep. So, but I would love to be able to do that sometimes. You know, when you just... It's like, I'm too hot. Can't work anymore. Yeah. Too hot. Yeah. Too hot. Yeah. Just going to turn yeah. off. Yeah. So history's obviously yeah. been a thing. So going back to like, Kate Williams, history's something that still mm. really interests you. Obviously, it's part of your job. But do you, mm. is that something that in those moments of respite where you want to be on your own, is, is that something you dive into? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I mean, I think, and I think more and more now, really, I... I um, don't do a huge amount of cataloguing anymore. Mm. So I don't get to see as many objects as I used to get because running a business, you you get more involved in, you know, VAT and taxes and HR and logistics yeah. and all that kind of stuff, all the, all the, the businessy stuff that um, is involved in that. So yeah, I don't, I don't see as much as I used to. So yeah, I do crave um, that sort of, history fix very much so very much so so yeah that is what i dive into but having said that i don't i don't read as much as i would like to i used to be a voracious reader um and i i'm more of a an audio book person mm. now because i tend to find that if i open a book i fall asleep um whereas if i'm in the garden then i i listen um obviously yeah. to to audio books and things like that but um but yeah, I think if you're sort of sitting in bed, do you know that awful feeling when you're sort of reading a book and then it hits you on the head yeah. because you've fallen asleep? <laughs> it's funny. I've got a, a kind of narcolepsy while reading. There's some sort of reading narcolepsy that I'm the same. It doesn't matter what part of the day it is. I don't know if it's just, yeah. maybe it's just the guy like reading along the lines. It's the hypnotic, maybe it's hypnotic. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't like it when books bite back though. When they hit Yeah. Them, yeah. Right? That's, that's not good. That's just, it's a bit <laughs> cruel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I wasn't asleep. I wasn't asleep. I promised, but I wasn't. <laughs> so, but no, I do, um, I do, I've been, uh, we've got a fascinating picture in the next cell, which is all about, um, uh, face patches about you know beauty patches and things that um, they used to use to cover blemishes and things so my um, evening reading has been all about um, Charles II and his growing up in France and all that kind of stuff so yeah I do love reading around the things that we have in the auction 
Yeah, it's that's amazing. Nice. Yeah, yeah, really mm, fascinating. Yeah. I was going to say to you, do you, if someone mm. was coming to, um, to 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 get something valued, what uh, yeah. would there be some key kind of things they need to sort of ask or of the of the the person they go, they're going to to just make sure that they're legitimate? Is there some things that you should really like think about before you? Before you go in and start getting stuff value, this sounds like it's come from experience. No, no, yeah, just, where does that come from? I'm just intrigued <laughs> if there's like little signposts for people that you know. To you know, I'm just thinking if one of my listeners, are, they might have some heirloom that they want to get valued, and they, you know, Dave down the road says, "Oh, I'll give you a good price on it." Um, how do you trust Dave down the road is gonna? This isn't a slight on anyone called Dave, by the way. Dave, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, Dave down the road sounds dodgy to start with, to be honest. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah. Um, I well, if you want to have something valued, I think you, you, you probably go to an antique dealer mm. or a, a, an auction house and your local auction house, or if it's a very specific thing, perhaps look out for an auction house that has specialist sales maybe or but no i don't i don't think there's a sort of i'd avoid dave down the road yeah dave okay. down the road sounds dodgy yeah mm. maybe maybe go to a, a, a business rather yeah. than um dave dave yeah um <laughs> bless him. i've just re- i've just remembered that i grew up i grew up in a place called edenbridge in northwest kent we had mm. a quite a well-known dealer there who set up a shop that guy called lennox cato oh yeah he's on the um, road show isn't he antiques road show yeah and yeah, he had nice a he had a shop there the whole time for a long time. I think he'd been in Edenbridge for for decades, and mm. I never I never went in it. Not I mean it, it was it was opposite our favourite pub as well, the King and Queen. Um, so I could have easily stumbled out of it at some point. But, so why um, didn't why didn't you go in? It, I don't know. I I think I thought as you were saying earlier on. I think I thought it was just not a place for me. That it was probably. A bit, a bit daunting, a bit intimidating, a bit stuffy, maybe. Isn't that interesting? I probably, I pro- bit stuffy. I probably would have really actually enjoyed it and probably found it fascinating. But I just never. I was quite young. I, I left Edinburgh when I was twenty three, twenty four. So I was grew up there. But yeah, I don't know. It just, didn't, I, I just suddenly thought because I googled him the other day actually because his name came up in conversation with old Edinburgh friends on WhatsApp. And mm. yeah, I hadn't really appreciated actually how sort of well known he is. Actually, he's quite a mm. yeah. Very well Quite a name, actually. Yeah. So have you got any antiques in your house? Have either of you got any antiques in your uh, house? Apart from me, no, I don't think there are. No, you don't. You're vintage. You're not an antique. <laughs> no, I'm not. But my... Um, I haven't. But my um, my brother-in-law, James, he was an auctioneer. He worked at Sotheby's for some time. And he... they oh, did he? Yeah. Um, James Gadd, his name is. And... Um, hmm. He, they, he, they've got loads of antiques at their house. They've got like twenty-five clocks, which, um, when it's like, oh, you wouldn't want to be there at twelve o'clock. Well, there's that, <laughs> and also like it, classic. Every, every, um, every time the clocks go forward or back, my brother always posts a thing like, oh, we've got to do all the clocks, <laughs> and they go around all the clocks, changing the times on them. Um, but yeah, they've got lots of antiques and obviously, yeah, they're, they're really into antiques. But no, we, I don't think we've got anything here that I know of um, in our house. But how would you know something isn't... Sorry, this has become a real grilling, yeah. isn't it? Um, how mm. would you know something is an antique? Because we might have stuff in the house. Cause, because my this is the house that my wife grew up in and we sort of moved... We lived in London for a bit and we moved back here and mm. it's her mum's house and so we live with her mum, my mother-in-law. And yeah, there is, there's, there's some stuff in the house that's been there a long time, but how would you... How would you know, or how would you suspect? Do you think, oh, this, you know, this might be an antique? 
If it hasn't got a barcode on it. <laughs> yeah. If it doesn't say IKEA on it. <laughs> <hey>. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I've got one of those weird IKEA names. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think it's just, and that's the thing, isn't it, about antiques is it's provenance and history, mm. and that's where value comes in as well, isn't it? If you've got a solid provenance for something, if it's belonged to somebody and then it's belonged to somebody else or belonged to somebody else, that's, um, you know, that's quite an important part of it. And that's where, you know, research is so important in that if you if you can track down, you know, if something has belonged to a specific person or it's been at a specific event in time, that can add a huge amount of value onto things, um, which is brilliant. But so if you've moved into your, have you, have you moved into your mother-in-law's house? Yeah. So there must be yeah. stuff that's been there for you. You probably have got antiques, haven't you? you must have. There, I'm just, as you're talking now, just thinking there, we've got a sea chest in the, uh, <laughs> in the, Look at the look at the, look at the joy because the family. Ooh. So the family name <laughs> family name is Do- is Dor, which is a name from Dorset, but they were like a sort of a seafar it's a seafaring name. Like they were sort of sailors and stuff. Um mm. so yeah, we've got a sea chest that was someone's down the line. See, we, just, we, see? we keep board games in there. Oh, what? That's really disappointing. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's like, it sounds like a proper pirate's treasure chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just Cluedo. Sorry, there's no, oh. there's no, there's no treasure in. It's very nice, though. It's really nice. It's really, really lovely. So, yeah, that, that might be it at some point. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've never really, again, I've never really sort of felt even sort of connected to the world of antiques or even really thought about it. But I guess if I stopped, if I ever lived at my old parents' house in Edinburgh, actually, they're probably all stuff. In fact, we had a piano that was my grandmother's that was, Mass always out of tune uh, that I actually learned to play on, which is probably why I play so badly now. Actually, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it, it's making me feel like this whole episode that if you sort of stop and look around you, there's so much more going on in your house, in your life, in general. And as you said earlier, like your thirties can be mine and the same have been really hectic, and I've done lots of different things. But actually, sometimes the sort of stopping, taking a breath, going out in the garden, stomping around, and being moody. But actually, just looking around, even your house, you actually. Okay, can I see don't. I'm not. I'm not moody in my garden. You're moody. I'm your talking garden. about. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're moody and muttery in your garden. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm always full of joy in my garden. <laughs> <laughs> But no, you're absolutely right, and it's 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 interesting, isn't it? I think as I've become, oh gosh, this sounds a bit deadly, but as as I've got older, I've certainly got better at compromising um, as well. In that I am, I am a clutterer big time, and I would fill my house full of stuff, 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 mm. stuff, stuff. Um, whereas my husband is very minimalist and actually hates clutter. Um, so I'm on a I'm on a one in, one out policy at the moment. Um, <laughs> My wife's the same. Just, just, like, just like, just like, just like, just like. So yeah, I've kind of got to the point where something's got to give. But I was kind of looking around the other day. I was thinking, I just, I just, maybe I just don't need all this stuff. It's just stuff. Mm. Doesn't does it actually matter in the whole scale of things? It's just, it is just stuff, isn't it? Sometimes it is what? good to have a bit of a clear out and just yeah. Get yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, it's the same in our household. I'm definitely more of the sort of minimalist, I think, than 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 my wife and her mum. Um, and I clearing out stuff feels so good. It's really cathartic, I think, to get rid of stuff and then you see a bit of space. So you just 
you make you sort of feel that you can breathe a bit more as well. I think that's, um, but also it yeah. is, and it is just stuff, but some stuff means more to you than others. Some stuff is connected to you in a certain way or reminds you of a person or, mm. you know, has a, has a story to it. So I think we do, we do need some stuff, but, um, <laughs> I was, in my head, that sounded way more profound than it, than it needed to be, but we do need some stuff, but some stuff is better than others. Right, that, wait, that is going on but a I T-shirt, man. That... <laughs> we do need some stuff, but some stuff is... There's the merch, there's the merch. But I think you're absolutely right, but it has to be the right time, doesn't it? Yeah. Because certainly after, yeah, my, yeah. after my dad died, like because we, we moved into... Um, we actually live in his house. Um, and I... Because he was... He wasn't, and he was very much an outside person. He spent his entire life in a shed. He loved tinkering around with things and engines and all that kind of stuff. And it took me, I think, probably about three years to really accept that because every time I walked in there, it was just the yeah. smell. Everything was just dad, 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 dad. Yeah. And it took me a long time. And I think when I was away filming, and my husband started trying to clear stuff because he recognized that we, you know, we can't keep this as a shrine to yeah, father. Yeah. We've got to. We've just got to clear it out. And I, I just wasn't ready. And I just went, no, no, please don't touch it. Please don't touch it. And then about a year later, we tackled it together and I've kept, um, his sort of tweed cap that still stinks of oil. Um, and it's, and it's in my car. So it travels around with me all everywhere. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's just one cherished thing rather than perhaps hundreds and yeah. hundreds and hundreds of things, um, that might, yeah, they might sort of, yeah, just one cherished thing. I think it's probably more important than, stuff yeah yeah that's a really hard thing to do though and i feel for you because yeah i haven't haven't lost my parents i know it's a difficult thing to to go mm. through that process that mm. that practical stuff you know as well as having to deal with all obviously the emotional things as well so yeah it's difficult mm. but i'm glad that you know you were able to do that and you know sometimes it does take a bit of time to get to that place doesn't it it does absolutely and i think that you know I hadn't really made the comparison, but obviously people that I go and see in my, in my job, in my day job as well, it has to be the right time for them as well. Um, and I think often, you know, when you're, when you're going through a really bad time, which is obviously when I come into people's lives, that sometimes I, I try to say to people, try not to make a rush decision and don't do things that you don't want to do because you'll regret it. You know, there's always another time. There's always another sale, you know, don't, don't sell too much and then regret it. Um, and I think that's so important because there's nothing worse than regret. So you can't, you can't get something back when it's gone. So you have to be emotionally ready to, to let go of things as well. Don't you? Um, it's quite important, really quite important. Yeah. Oh, it's got a bit deep, hasn't it? It always no, does. It, yeah. <laughs> it does. It does. It tends to. Yeah, it's always around the hour mark. It does tend yeah. to. Get a bit deep. Oh, coming up to an hour. Okay. Um, no, that's right. I, I think it's. I think it's nice that you recognise you have a responsibility and a, an, almost a sort of duty of care. I think to the people that you mm. are providing the service to. Um, again, not something I'd have thought about with that sort of world, but I guess it is, and I think they are trusting you with their with their pieces and their time and their emotions as well. So I think it's nice that you clearly take that responsibility very seriously in that moment oh hugely yeah hugely it's, it's a very it's a very um oh yeah it's all about balance it's all about you know just and, and providing the right advice as well definitely the right advice um I mean, as much as it would be easy to say right sell everything because you know then i'll make more money yeah. that's not right and there is there is no softer pillow than a clear conscience i think 
That's another good one for a t-shirt. That, that's better than yeah. what I said. Yeah. That's, that's the merch, yeah. isn't it? Let's get that that's out. That's better. <laughs> what I said about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christine, honestly, it's been such a treat to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Honestly, oh, it's been a real joy to talk to you. I think I've learned more on this episode than I've than any of the ones we've done. It's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you oh, so much for, yes. uh, yeah, for teaching me so much. My fellow chaos person. <laughs> <laughs> when were you there? When were you I in was there? 2003 to 2006. Ah, see, we wouldn't have crossed. I was there just before. I was there 98, I think, for three years. Was it 98, 99? Maybe 99, three years. The so, glory yeah. years. I should have. The, yeah, <laughs> we probably never met in a dark corner in chaos. Thank no. God. No, <laughs> I love that chaos is still there. I love that ca- chaos. I really might still be there. Who knows? I love that no, it's survived. It's not. It's oh, not. Is it not? Whoa. No. I think they should oh. have a, a plaque on the wall for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A blue plaque will be there at some point in time. <laughs> no, a green, a green of plaque. Of course, surely. Yeah. In, in memory surely. to the green monster, whatever it was called. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's been a joy. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so guys. much. Thanks so really, much. Really special. That was Christina Trevanian on the Blank Podcast. A fascinating episode. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have learnt a lot more about the antiques industry, just like I did on that episode as well. So I hope you found it as fascinating as I did, because it was uh, it was genuinely really eye-opening. And what a fantastic guest. I mean, Christina, you can see... It's interesting she's saying about having the, the imposter syndrome about doing TV, which obviously is something that comes up a lot on this pod. But you can see actually why she's so good at it, because she's very easy to talk to. As you said before, very friendly energy. All you've got to do is give her a little... You know, a little morsel of a chat and she'll run with it, which is Mm. what TV presenters are good at doing. Um, So, yeah, I thought she was just an absolute joy to talk to. And it was lovely reminiscing about Southampton as well. So if you can get more people on uh, that have been to Solent University, that'd be great because then I can talk about Dirty K and Lennon's more often. Uh, So, yeah, just a really lovely, lovely hour spent in her company. Yeah, it was great. Really lovely. And, yeah, she's such a warm person. So it was was just so lovely. And... Yeah, was happy to talk about all sorts. So, yeah, thank you so much, Christina, for coming on. It was a real joy. Um, Jim. Yeah. This is the end of another podcast. It is, indeed. So I think we need to remind people, obviously, about the patron, which we did at the top. But, um, yeah. We had but you can of... never bang on about it enough, can you? No, you can't. You can't. Exactly. Yeah. We had an extra sort of five, seven minutes with Christina at the end, yeah. asking her about the, the best and worst at auction, which is, I mean, the worst was incredible really um so if you want to hear more from her do sign up to that patreon.com forward slash blank podcast and obviously if you want to tweet us let us know your episodes you enjoyed what you thought of this one obviously at the start of each pod like we did today we read out a tweet from someone um our twitter handle is at blank pod and we're also on instagram and facebook as well if you prefer those apps it's, it's the same handle at blank pod it is indeed and that is the end of another episode it's still raining here unfortunately it hasn't cleared at all but um I don't know, maybe it, maybe it will tomorrow. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, it's been a genuinely 
lovely and fascinating episode this week it has and i should imagine lots of our listeners are probably rooting around their cupboards their, <laughs> yeah. their 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 lofts their sheds trying to discover some ancient relics that they can now yeah. take down to their local auction house not to dave's down the road a proper yeah, legitimate auction house <laughs> avoid dave yeah <laughs> maybe let us know if you off the back of this if you then did have a route around and found something and then have gone on to sell it if you're listening to this a few months down the line mm. and sold it at auction let us know we'd love to know if off the back of this episode you actually then took something to an auction house and, and sold it uh oh. do do get in contact yeah if you've discovered something suddenly in your house or yeah. you know send us a picture on twitter yeah send us a picture and let us know you know what we'll happens copy christina she might be able to evaluate it look there you go and yeah. who knows? Who knows what money you, you could make? Uh, there will be a commission, of course. There will, of course, uh, for her and for us. Um, yes. But obviously, what? Or if you've got something interesting at home with a story behind it, let us know. Yeah. I, think, I always think those stories are fascinating mm. behind what people own. So uh, yeah, do get in contact at Blank Pod on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. We really would. And uh, well, that's it. That's another episode done. We'll be back again next week, of course, Jim. Yep. We will indeed have a good week. Stay safe, mate. And you, Jim. And you. And same to our listeners. Uh, have a good one. We'll see you next week on the Blank Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Blast Box Media Podcast.